You're listening to the Roanoke Valley Church Podcast. Today's sermon is from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 9 through 19. Here, Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem and gets a first-hand look at the destruction of its walls and gates. After inspecting the walls, he rallies the nobles and priests to begin rebuilding the wall. Listen in to how we can plan to participate in growing God's kingdom, to take time to inspect its walls, and to be reminded that lasting growth only comes with the gracious hand of God. We invite you now to visit our website at roanokevalleychurch.org and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Church. More resources, sermons, and links to help you be a part of what God is doing in the Roanoke Valley. And now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, so last week what we talked about was uh, prayer and uh, the hope in the my prayer was that uh, we would be a community that's dedicated to God's get it, dedicated to praying to God that it's very quick for us to be people of action and planning but our preparation sometimes can skip that of prayer so hopefully uh, this will be a continuation of all that this morning so um, Nehemiah chapter 2 and uh, you guys know the song friends how many of us have them well the first point i have is plans how many of us have them and i think we all have plans i think we all have uh you know things in our mind as what we hope to do if you're uh, approaching retirement or are retired uh, you probably spent many a year thinking about your plans what you'd like to what you'd like to do what you can afford to do uh, many of us already will have already thought about what our plans are this week. If you have an Apple calendar, uh, it's probably already filled out not only for this week, but the month. Uh, many of us will be asking our employers, what are the hours I have this week? Uh, you might sit down at the dinner table with your spouse and say, okay, what are we doing this week? We all have plans. And sometimes our plans are to have no plans at all, right? How, how many of those, we like those days, right, where we don't plan at all. But the truth is, whether you have something written down in a calendar or an old school calendar on your wall, your kitchen, or wherever on your refrigerator, or you rely on iCal or Google Calendar or whatever you got going on, we all have plans. And I think it's time for us as we look at the book of Nehemiah to consider that God has plans too. And that God's plans ultimately are the ones that, if we are disciples of Jesus, and we are people who are infused with the Holy Spirit, that we need to create room to make sure that we are considering God's plans in our plans. It is very easy for me as a dad of two, and I don't boast of that because many of you guys have more kids than I, it is very easy to take a look at my week and the plans, there's no room to plan anything else because my plans are made for me with kids' activities, with responsibilities, with work hours, you name it. It's almost like, well, what really can I plan for until maybe summertime or vacation? And, and we can kind of find ourselves, I don't know if it's a trap, but just in the reality of I don't have any room to consider anything else because of all that I've already committed to do. And it's a, it's, it's a difficult position to be in, but it takes a little bit of inspection in our lives to really consider where can we plan with God? to be in alignment with God's plans. You know, a question <clears throat> I've been trying and want to ask myself every day is what is God up to today? Because I know what I want to be up to today. 
And I know what my wife has planned to be up to today, and I know what my kids want to be up to today, which usually involves like a Nintendo Switch or a trampoline. But it's very easy if I don't ask, what's God up to, for me to go ahead and just completely fill what we're up to as the Landis family and give God possibly some room down the line where I've decided to have no plans. And it's very easy in the Western society and American doism that we can really squeeze out God's plans. And I believe we need a reset in our hearts and our minds and our convictions to ask that question of God every day, what are you up to? And not just ask it, but then be willing to change our plans to be in alignment with what maybe he has planned to do. And what we've seen in Nehemiah at this point, to remind you, is that he is in Babylon. He is a man born in captivity. Ezra and Zerubbabel, those guys have been able to come back and start to rebuild the walls and rebuild the city and the temple of Jerusalem. But after that, there was a time period where the king, Agaxerxes, the current king, said, you know what, no more building of the wall. No more. That, that potential of Jerusalem raising up will be a thorn in my side. It could be a potential enemy. So stop building. And there are people that started to build Jerusalem in God's plans that are now comfortable with the walls being half built, gates being burned down. And it took a man who heard from his brother that Jerusalem was unguarded. The walls had been broken down and destroyed and the gates were been in fire. And this is a recap of the story that he hears this and his heart breaks And he instantly goes into prayer and fasting and planning mode to see what God potentially is up to. And what challenges me most about this is that plans, we all have them. But sometimes, when it comes to planning with God, that it stops just with the idea of plans. And we never get to the point of actually walking out on faith to actually doing what God may be up to. So it's twofold this morning. It's one thing to say, okay, let me inspect my life and my family's life and us as a church communally because that's really what this is all about. This is not an individual lesson. This is about communal plans of God's people. And say, what am I planning for? Am I, as a member of the body of Christ, am I actively asking what is God up to because my life is his Or have I choked out what he may be up to because my own agendas and plans, right? We all wrestle with that on a day-to-day basis. But then secondly, if we are considering that, it's not enough just to consider what is God up to. How many of us have heard the phrase that hell is, no, just kidding, I'm not going there. (laughs) Hell is paved with good intentions. Ever heard that before? That's what I was going to go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. I said it. I said it. It's out there. But hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, I'll get there. I'll seek God when I'm a little bit less busy. I don't know how many times I said to myself when I was in college, you know what, I'll really pursue my relationship with God when I I have more time, when I'm done with these uh, engineering classes. And there were tons. uh, The two years I was a disciple in college, we met so many other people. Hey, after I graduate, then I'll really pursue God. I'll really go after it, but right now I'm too busy. And I've met people here in Roanoke, oh, you know, when my kids are older, and I really want my kids to know God. So when they're kind of of age, then we'll start going. And there's always something. But I think 
we've all had good intentions. Yes, I want to be about what God's up to. Yes, I want to be doing something exciting. We prayed as a group before we came out here. You know, God, thank you for the purposeful life that we have. It's very easy for me, and I stand up here in the front of the line saying it's easy for me to know what God wants to do in the world and be okay with, hey, that's a great plan, and then actually not, as my dad would say, the rubber meeting the road. Like, this is where the rubber meets the road. Like, you got to do something about it. So we talked last Sunday about prayer and continuing to pray. So I am going to show some more restraint that this is not in one week's time, now jumping off of prayer, and now all a lesson about go do it. Don't just say it, do it. That's a little bit what I've just said. But to note, this is all in, a, in the spirit of what God has in Nehemiah, that we are not meant to be people that just say, okay, let me come up with great plans, let me pray for a week, and then just go do it. Let's be people who understand that, you know what, we need to be listening for what God is up to, asking what God is up to, inspecting our own lives so that we can be ready to do what God wants us to do, and then not just be a people that talk the talk, but when the opportunity comes, we're ready. We're ready to go and do what God has made clear needs to be done. So this is an overarching, this is our walk, this is, this is a pattern, this is our lifestyle. Not just one week we pray and now this week we're going to do stuff. This is a lifestyle that we see through Nehemiah in the book that God's put in the Bible for all of us. So plans, how many of us have them? We all do. But our plans need to be asking God, what is he up to? Put that in your calendar. Put that on your reminder this week. Every day you ask yourself, God, what are you up to today? What do you want me to be about today? What can I pray for today? You know, Nehemiah, we know, was moved by compassion. He was moved by the needs. And we see in this text that we'll read here in a moment that he didn't let them end with just moving his heart. He wasn't just moved by compassion. He considered what he could do about what he saw. Let's read here in verse 10, chapter 2. When Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, about rebuilding the wall, they were very much disturbed that someone came to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Stop right there. These are two guys that are kind of like chiefs. These are chiefs around Israel. We know that there are surrounding peoples around Israel at this point, around Jerusalem, that uh, had intermarried with the Ammonites, that had intermarried with Sidonians, all these different people that weren't necessarily a part of what God was doing. They were on the outskirts. And these are two chiefs or two mayors of neighboring towns that are more than happy to see Jerusalem stay unprotected. All right, so once they hear someone's come to actually promote it, they're like, hey, we don't, we don't, we don't like this idea. I went to Jerusalem, this is Nehemiah, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, yes, that's exactly what it sounds like, <clears throat> examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up to the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had not said anything to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? 
Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But, the, but when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, official of Geshem the Arab, heard about it, they mocked us and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And we'll stop there for now. Again, Nehemiah saw, and we know in the beginning of chapter 2, all these different plans. They began to pray and fast and consider. He knew he needed a home to be built. He knew he needed timber. He needed all these different things. So in his prayer, in his fasting, he's going through, checking the boxes of what needs to happen for God's city's walls to be rebuilt. And we show that it wasn't just empty prayers of God, do this, do this, do this. But God, do this, and how can you use me? What can I do to be a part of this? And he does those things. What we see here is that, that Nehemiah goes from beyond just praying and planning, and he actually makes the trip from Babylonia to Jerusalem. That's a huge commitment. He had never been in Jerusalem before. He's leaving the, the, kind of, uh, the third in charge, if you will, in Babylonia, the cupbearer. He's leaving this. It's a difficult job, but it's, it's a cushy one in compared to what he's about to do. And he, and he leaves, he takes the journey, and he goes to Jerusalem, and there he commits to inspecting the walls. These guys consider, Nehemiah considered what needs to be done, and then he follows through. For us, this week, ask, God, what are you up to? And then ask for the sensitivity that when God shows you what he's up to, to be willing to take the step and do something about it. Again, I'm not saying go do it. I'm saying just start capturing what's God up to. And all I need to ask you really to really to help you discern is that Nehemiah says, I went and I looked and I inspected the walls. I was there for three days. And it says there that he did not tell anyone what God had put on his heart. There's something there that God put something on Nehemiah's heart that wasn't on everybody else's heart. He saw something that needed to be done that others didn't. And I ask you, and I think it's good to ask yourself, what is God putting on your heart? What do you see? The truth is, if you're the body of Christ, you are an integral member of the body. Without you, we are incomplete. You see things. You hear things. You have things on your spirit. You have gifts and talents and discernment. You have those things that no one else does. It doesn't mean you beat yourself like, I'm the only one that can see this issue. No, but perhaps you are. And Nehemiah's heart is moved by these needs and wants to do something about it. What does God put on your heart? This is about building God's kingdom. This is about building God's church. This is about building the world the way God wants it to be. That is the work that we are engaged in. That is the battle that we fight. We are not here to build just careers for the sake of careers. We are here to build careers that glorify God, that build his kingdom. We're not here just to build families because we want to build families. We're here to build families that glorify God, that move his kingdom. We're not here to just build a church to fill a few rows. We're here to build a church that glorifies God, that impacts our city. Those kids aren't back there just to be entertained. They're back there to learn about God and faith so that one day they're up here or they're there or they're singing 
And they're leading us so that we can continue generation after generation to build what God wants to build. Let's not, be, let's not get it twisted that we are somehow building something less than the very world God wanted to build from the beginning. We are a part of the process of restoring Eden here and now. Yes, we look forward to heaven. Yes, we look forward to the fulfillment of Jesus. But Jesus tells us in the Beatitudes, blessed are you. That means right now you can experience what God wanted you to experience from the very beginning of time. And if there's anything good that you've experienced as being a disciple, that's a little bit of the sweet taste of what it was always meant to be. Unity in your marriage, purity, connection, reconciliation, what Bill talked about, forgiveness, yeah, there's no sin in the garden, but even forgiveness that we don't deserve, those are just, just little sips of what it was always meant to be. So let's not get it twisted that what we're planning and building and asking God to what are you up to, it all comes back to let's rebuild what God always wanted it to be. And that's our great conquest, our great journey, and our great purpose. If we've settled for something less than that, let's, let's ask God to help us see and have a heart, in this case, like Nehemiah, that's able to say, okay, we've settled for something less than what God wants to build. What is God putting on my heart to do about that? Now I've got a list of things, just a list of things right here in Roanoke that, that, that are needs. You want to hear them? I'm talking about right here in the RVC. This isn't even city, county, state. There are big needs, all right? We need more singers, period. Our singers are great, but they are overtaxed. We need more people, and I know they're out there because I sit right here and I can hear you. Everybody comes through these big old ears. So I know there are people that want to sing that can. And I'm not saying you've got to be up here. It's some type of, rec- you know, if you're a disciple, you've got to sing it. For- no, 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 no. But if you can sing, come practice. If you've got stage fright, join the club. I'm just saying make a step. We need more people to set up this equipment in the morning. Yes, I know you've got kids in tow. There's things. But there are three or four people that are here every Sunday setting all this up. And today there were two because the other two are out of town. Just saying, there's, there's layers we need. We need more kids' kingdom workers. Would you believe that we've had folks say, you know what, I don't want to do that. Okay, I get you don't like kids. I get that you don't, whatever it might be. But that's our future back there. So maybe you're not back there sweating and toiling, but maybe you're playing and pr- praying and planning about it. Maybe you're actually back there setting up so that others can come in and lead. I don't know. There, that's just the need we have. There are young men and women in this room and in our church that need mentoring. That need someone to say, hey, I got you. And then try to be cool. I got you, dog. I got you, bro. I got you, sis. There are people here in our group, in our church, that have navigated the pandemic as young professionals in their first jobs ever. That have just got married in the pandemic and need guidance, need encouragement, need strengthening. Need someone to walk with them and say, hey, I'm not here to tell you all the do's. I'm not here to make your life like, be like our marriage. I'm just, I'm here to support you. We need more people who are willing to see and look and say, okay, that person needs a friend. Let me be that friend for them. Am I God's send friend? No, maybe. 
but let me take a step to pray about it and perhaps jump on that. We need more people to come up here on Sunday and share about what God has done in their lives. I love Will, I love Bill, but these guys are up here all the time talking, sharing their testimonies, sharing about contribution. You know why? Because we can't find anybody that wants to do it. Now I understand public speaking is worse than dying. <laughs> but this is just a testimony. We've, we've even suggested, you know what, I'll come to your house and we'll set a video up and you can stay in your own room and video yourself and then I'll just project it up here. You don't even have to come up here. You just get to look at yourself, which honestly, I do it every Monday, I look at myself and it's more painful than just doing it. <laughs> so, so again, just pray about it. I'm not trying to guilt anyone out, but these are needs. We've had comments, and it's right. Hey, we just got a bunch of dudes up there all the time. We need more women to come up here and share about what God is up to. And yes, I, am, I understand the women are with the kids, and they've got all this kind of stuff going on. But the men in the church, let's help our, our sisters. Hey, I got the kids this morning so that you can actually go up there and share or sing. Let's work together to figure it out. But we need more sisters up here, more people willing to share their testimonies and what God has done in their lives. Are you with me on that? Amen. That's just a few. I got more, but I don't have time to say all of that. But I know you see those things perhaps, but I know you see other things too. And it's okay. I hope over the last 15 years of being in the ministry that I've developed thick enough skin for you to come to me and say, hey, John, this is something that we need to do. This is something God has put on my heart. You're not doing it, or you need to do it better, whatever, but you know what's going to happen. I'm going to say, let's do it together. You got a need? You see a need? Meet a need. Do you need help meeting that need? That's my job description, is to equip the saints for works of service. You see something, I am here to help you do that. Can I do it? Maybe. Should I be doing it? Probably not. But we need to go after equipping each other for works of service. There is no doubt in my mind that this church is full of men and women like Nehemiah who see things and say, man, I want that to be greater. Not so we can just say it's greater, but I want it to be greater for God. Maybe there are not walls burning and gates burning. Maybe there are. I think there are some areas where it's like, you know what? There is no gate there, and there needs a gate. We need to build that, period. And people see it. And this is an invitation from me, your brother, an invitation to say, you see a need. Let's figure out how we can meet that need. And if you don't have something that God's put in your heart, pray about those things. Pray for the discernment. Pray for, hey, well, God, help me to see what's really going on so that I can be a part of what you're up to. Amen? What this requires of us is what Nehemiah was willing to do. He was willing to go around. <laughs> this is funny. It's a funny image. He's willing to go around and inspect the walls silently, quietly, walking literally through the night. That was because there are people that didn't want him to be there. Okay? So we all want you to be here. But if we all quietly slither around church, I and people like, ooh, much Rona's got a need. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be interesting. 
But I think it's just the spirit of, I'm going to wait, I'm going to look, and I'm going to see what God has brought me here to see. And it's just a willingness to do that. This is what God has put on my heart. This is something that has personally inspired me to be more and more like. Where he walks and he's inspecting the walls. He doesn't miss a gate. He even runs into, runs into issues where he can't get his mount through. He can't get his donkey through the gate. So he's like, you know what? Let me find another path. There have been many times where I've had a desire to like, this is where we want to go. Or I want to take, take a look at what's going on here only to be stiff-armed. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's it. Oh, I guess that's not a need. No, no, no. Let me find a way to figure that out. And I think just the, re- just the resilience of Nehemiah, okay, I can't do it during the day. I'm going to do it during the night. Okay, I work eight hours a day. I'm not around everybody, but you know what? In my evenings, I'm going to make an effort to inspect how us, how we are doing. I work over here. I do all this, but let me take some time to make some phone calls to my brothers to ask them how they're really doing. Let me inspect the walls. Not because you're the night's watchman or you're the spiritual police. No, you have a heart that just wants everyone to be up to what God wants to do here in Roanoke and beyond. Are you with me on that? But we do need to be a men and women, be, a, be men and women who are willing to take the time to inspect the walls. And he does it. He does it. We think about this collectively, but I also want to zero in on taking the time to inspect the walls of your own lives. This is first and foremost corporate, where we need to look at this communally. But we understand that the strength of our church isn't just here. Church begins as soon as we're done here. This is not church. Church is out those doors. So our households, our families, our marriages, our individual holiness and purity, our commitment to our one another relationships, taking the time to inspect those areas. Sit down with your spouse if you have one and say, how are we doing spiritually? That question is monumental to being a part of building God's walls. Singles, singles households, you name it, with your kids, hey guys, how are we doing? How are we doing as a family in our unity? How are we doing and working together? These character strengthening happenings really will be, uh, build God's kingdom. So inspect the walls. Take the time to ask yourself, how am I doing spiritually? You matter. How you're doing spiritually matters. It does not take long as a church, as small as we are. One, two, three people that aren't doing well. And again, we understand this is a hospital, right? This is a hospital. We're all sick. That's why we're here. So don't come in through those doors saying, I can't be not doing well because this church depends on it. No, 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 no. You being aware that you're not doing well is all we need to know. Because then we can move forward in a great way with one another. But inspecting and talking and being vulnerable and honest, those things help us build God's walls. Amen? Plans? You got them. Let's make room for God's plans. Ask this week, God, what are you up to? Secondly, inspect your walls. Think through what God has put on our heart, what God has put on your heart. Take the time to ask your family, ask your spouse, ask your kids, 
ask around in your ministries and your family groups, whatever it may be, what is God up to? And how can we really inspect what maybe needs to be built or rebuilt? The beauty of all this is that this is not our energy, our efforts, our plans that are going to make this happen. That if we're all of a sudden really diligent about planning for God and asking the questions and praying and inspecting, that somehow this is going to get built. Somehow we're going to be everything that God wants us to be. Nehemiah didn't believe that. I don't believe that. And I don't want you to believe that either. What Nehemiah knew as he began to talk about what needs to be done, he, can, he shared in verse 18 that it was the gracious hand of my God that's on me. People needed convincing. He says in verse 17, you see the trouble we're in? Here's the need, guys. Do you see the need? Let's rebuild it. They didn't say immediately, yay, let's do it. Nehemiah told them, let me tell you about what God is up to. Let me tell you about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. What the king, don't get it twisted. It's not about what the king said. It's more about here's how God used this pagan king to give us all these resources. This all goes back to what God had done. Not about, hey, Xerxes is with us. Oh, great, the most powerful king in the world is with us. Now let's do it. No, 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 no. God used that guy to give us all this stuff that's coming. God gave us all this. Or God used this guy to make this happen. What is Nehemiah doing? He's reminding his brothers and sisters of God's faithfulness, God's promise, what God is up to, what he's done. And that God wants his city to do well. That God is with them. What do we need to do as we inspect the walls? It is very easy for me to just end in verse 17. You see all the trouble we're in, period. Have you ever inspected a home that you wanted to buy? <clears throat> Macaroni's. And the foundation was busted. Praise God they got him out of that. That's awesome. But it's like, this is our dream home, this is beautiful. And then you inspect it and you're like, oh my gosh, this place is literally collapsing. It'll be easy as we begin to pray and inspect. You might even get an answer from your kids tonight at dinner table. How are we doing? We're doing terrible. You're like, oh my gosh. I mean, I could tell you some of the conversations I've had. And it's easy for that to be like, oh no, and we just stop there. I think it's okay for us to be honest about what's really going on. How are we really doing as a church? It's okay, it's not okay, but it's okay to say, hey, we've got a lot of stuff that needs to be rebuilt. There are a lot of weaknesses. There are a lot of holes. There are a lot of things that are just not what they used to be. Not in nostalgic sense, but this is what God wants and it's just not happening. It's okay to say those things. Bring them on. But it's not okay for this chapter to end there. For Nehemiah's leadership to end there and say, hey, you see the ruins? See how terrible it is out there? Good. Glad you see it too. Because I think some of us in here stop there way too often. Man, what's up with that? Man, what's up with that? What's up with her? What's up with him? Jeez, what's up with that family? And we stop right there. But Nehemiah continues. He says, let's rebuild. Let's do something about it. And not only that, not some just charismatic person saying, let's build something. They don't jump at that. And I know you won't either. 
I am not that charismatic, and I don't plan on leading that way. But what I do plan on doing is reminding each of you and reminding my own heart, and I ask you to remind each other of the same thing. This is what God is up to. God is with us. This is what God has done. God will do it again. God is working in people that you would never imagine he's working through, and he's going to get it done. Do you want to be a part of that? That's what Nehemiah's leadership is like. Yes, there's issues. It's obvious to everyone, but God is with us. Do you want to be a part of that? And I ask you, and I ask myself, do I want to be a part of that? Because if I do, then I'm willing to ask God, again, what are you up to? I want to be a part of this. Then I'm also willing to inspect my own life and my own walls and the walls of this church so that we can be sure that we're a part of what God is up to. And as it gets difficult, and as we look at some of the hard, harder things in our own hearts, our own lives, our own marriages, parenting, and church as a whole, we can know that God's gracious hand is with us. God's gracious hand guides us. We're men. We're women. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, in, in their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. I'm not that naive to think that whatever plans we come up with, that's exactly what God wants us to do. we got to stay humble and stay flexible to what God wants to do. But I do know that as a church, we stand firmly on what Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, that we're going to trust God with all of our heart. And we're not going to lean on our own understanding. There are very spiritual and smart and talented people here that know how to build stuff, literally and communally. But we are not going to lean on that understanding. We submit to God. And there, as Proverbs says, then our paths are straight. Not because we get an awesome think tank in here. No, we lean on God, and he makes our paths straight. We're also not naive to know that God can thwart what we're trying to do and send us a different direction altogether. Acts 16, stop the very Apostle Paul from traveling through Galatia. Paul says the Holy Spirit kept us from doing that, so we went a different way. We need to be flexible to that. Like, hey, this is what we want to build. This is the need I see that God would make it. You know what? That's not. That's not. We need to go here, perhaps. Again, it's all about leaning on the gracious hand of our God and his spirit to give us the direction in which we go. So I pray, as a church, as we get into more and more of what Nehemiah actually does, and he starts building, and then there's opposition, and we'll talk about that next week, what to do with opposition. But really, I want to leave you with this thought, that Nehemiah is great, but Nehemiah pulls people's hair out at the end of this story. He literally breaks as a leader. So if you're aspiring to be a Nehemiah, you're, 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 you're on a time where you're going to run out of steam and run out of energy. And if we get roused up and say, okay, let's build, let's do, let's think, let's share, let's point out, let's go, and it's about us, we're going to be pulling each other's hair out by the end of this thing. But what's beautiful, what we lean on in every book of the Bible, we believe is a narrative that points to Jesus. Every single one. The one who really gets things done. The one who really builds with the things that will last. The one who knows every heart and every inclination and who will guide us through his spirit as to where we need to go. That's the one we imitate. That's the one we lean on. It's his energy. And Jesus showed us 
before he died that he was willing to go quietly and see needs. And he was willing to go and see those needs and have his heart break over those needs. And then he was willing to do something about it. Jesus walked quietly around the temple. He saw where the church had, had gone and where it had become. That it was a den of thieves, not a house of prayer. And he walked around and he saw and then he went back home and then he came back the next day and he looked some more and he waited and he waited and then he acted and it inspired his disciples. When Jesus cleared out the temple in a way that I do not suggest we do, no one's wrapping up cords and whipping anybody, but what did his disciples see? What were they reminded of? They said to themselves, zeal for his house will consume him. They were inspired by Jesus' desire to build his kingdom right. And that changed them. And that inspired them. So we are inspired likewise by him. As he knows that what's really going on here, that he's a, he's, a, he's a savior, he's a leader, he's God. Everything is there to help us be all that we can be. And Jesus takes the time to consider and inspect and act on our behalf. And that we can trust, that we can lean on, that no matter where we go, if we lean on God, we're going in the right direction. So for us, practically, ask the question, what's God up to? Be willing to hear the answer. Take the time to inspect your walls this week. Ask the questions of each other, your spouses, your groups, to see where the needs are. And then let's always know that it's not our plans, but it's the gracious hand of God that is on us. We know Jesus did it back at the temple, hitting the reset button for his church, and inspired men and women for decades and ages upon ages. Let's see God work in our lives and be inspired for decades and ages and ages as well. Amen? Let's stand for a final song. Thanks so much for coming. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. Be sure to check back every Sunday for new sermons listed right here. Subscribe to us on YouTube and like us on Facebook to stay in touch with all that God is doing in the Roanoke Valley Church. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.